Zinc Studs on CITR 101.9 FM. My guest this week is Vanessa Davis. Who, uh, you got two books now, um, Spaniel yeah. Rage and Make Me a Woman, which hopefully by the time... It's not actually out in stores while we're talking, is it? No, it, um, I think it's coming out in mid-October. Um, but, you know, but I'm starting to go to a, a few events for the book before that, and the, the book will be available at those events. Um, but yeah, it's. I think it, the release date is October twelfth or thirteenth. Oh, okay. Um, 
but that'll probably be about when this show is aired. So. Oh, good. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, people can get it in stores. Make me a woman from Drawing Quarterly. Uh, it is quite the uh, contrast between your two books, with the Spaniel Rage being a kind of rough black and white, and this thing being such a luscious edition. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it is. It is pretty different, but there's a lot of time that that went by between between both of the <laughs> the volumes. So I would hope that that there would be some changing going on. Um, just you mean as far as aesthetically with your comicking? Yeah, well, you know, um, Spangle Rage is I I really love that book, but it it's like the very first things that I ever did when I first started doing comics. So, um, you know, and and that was like six or seven or however many years ago and and so I'd like to think that I've you know changed and developed and done tried new things and and so all of that is was reflected and and make me a woman well it is I mean you have all that color work in there so that's right off the bat yeah very different um but comics weren't your first artistic interest were they no they well you know it's um it's funny what I I went to an art um, an art school. I went. They started this uh, magnet art school in my in my hometown in West Palm Beach, and it was a, it started in middle school. So it, w- it went from seventh to twelfth grade, and um, and so I was you know all, when you're like a seventh grader, you're eleven or twelve years old, and you start an art program. Most of the art that you've been exposed to is is comics or children's illustration or cartoons or, and stuff, and um, they really wanted to kind of scrub those influences out uh, of our, you know, to, you know, so we could, we could be these like brand new, you know, mm-hmm. uh, art student sponges where we learned, you know, we, we got rid of style and, and just focused on learning the basics and fundamentals of, of, you know, drawing um, and painting and stuff. So, so I, I, even though I was a normal kid and I read, I read a lot of children's books and comics and Archie and stuff like that I just um it it started very early on that I was just basically not supposed to even like think about doing that possibly and I should I should focus on more loftier uh more fine art uh pursuits so so I was a I I was a very dedicated uh painter painting student for a long time and then Mm -hmm. I also was really interested when I went into college I got into fibers and textiles and stuff that's something I'm going to ask uh, some questions about. My girlfriend actually does textile. Yeah, I artwork. remember seeing that somewhere. Or we talked about it once briefly. Yeah. Um, and I'm wondering, because even in that context of art, it's kind of in some ways not accepted in the same way as doing artwork. It's doing painted work. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, there's like these very, uh, It's it's like... It's like clickish. <laughs> I I actually think of the of the art world as as sort of like um like a mall, <laughs> you know. And and there's like the um the different uh the different galleries are like different stores, <laughs> um I you know. And I I don't really feel like they they uh they they operate very differently than than um than the retail world, but before I like launch into some diatribe about something that I don't even really know that much about but <laughs> but um but for sure the the you know the the craft world is another is another arena where uh, you know that that's very looked down upon and uh and um, um by you know by by uh 
specifically fine art people or I mean not always they you know it's like every once in a while they I don't know I'm babbling <laughs> it's all right <laughs> but uh <laughs> but um but yeah it's it's there you know there there's like it's funny because I had um you know in the, in art school I had friends in these other art departments and I had this one friend my friend Steve who was in music and he would always talk to me about you know the different stereotypes of of personality of different um, instrument players, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and how because he was a double bass player and he I think he got a lot of, uh, uh, you know I think he really liked being part of the double bass team of in the orchestra because usually the double bass players were these like burly kind of um, you know they were obviously soft and and sensitive artsy guys because they were like orchestra musicians but they were also sort of the the, you know, burly Mongolian barbecue eating, like, you know, um, uh, <laughs> uh, like, kind of, uh, they were like, sort of like the, the, the gruff, like, oafy kinds of, kinds of guys. Yeah. Um, you know, and then the violinists were, were shrill and competitive, you know, <laughs> but that made sense because there's a lot of violinists in an orchestra. I mean, obviously they were all stereotypes, but it's funny because when I went to, I never noticed any difference in high school when I went into art school in high school, but in, in, in college, there were definitely, um, different, different groups and, and different, um, uh, characteristics for, for different artists. And, you know, there were, the sculptors were macho and the, um, ceramicists were friendly and earthy. (laughs) (laughs) Although, although a lot of the ceramicists, a lot of the guy ceramicists were pretty macho too. I mean, you can really like bring machismo to anything. I, I, when you, when you find it, uh, in art school, you can, you really see that. But, um, but yeah, I was definitely, when I, when I was a painting major, I found that I, you know, the people that I was, that I could really relate to the most were, the people on the craft ends of things. So I hung out in the ceramics department. I hung out in the fibers department. Um, and, uh, you know, I just really got into, um, even though I had a, 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 a even though I, I was mostly like focused on painting and making 2d images and just like very kind of straightforward image making, um, uh, you know the the people who were doing the, like a lot of utilitarian or or uh, decorative artwork really appealed to me more because they almost seemed like they were coming to it from a similar place that I was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they were just they just sort of they had like a particular thing that they wanted to put forth artistically, and and they were doing it. Uh, and the 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 means through which they were they were doing it seemed like a lot more like me rather than a lot of the painting people that I was friends with um, who seemed, you know, they were interested in these like abstract, non-narrative kinds of, kinds of things that I just like didn't have any understanding about or, or, or I couldn't really relate to it. Part of your, uh, your experience with the, the fiber arts was going to Guatemala. Yeah. Um, which you write about in the book. And I'm curious how that kind of changed your perspective of going into really quite a different atmosphere than what you'd been growing up with and um, kind of, for lack of a better term, like middle-class aesthetics going from that yeah. to a very different culture. In a way. Well, you know, it was interesting because um, uh, it was definitely a formative experience. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it was... it. So the way it happened was that... Um, 
I, I had gone, so after college, I went to this uh, fibers workshop. It wasn't really fibers as much as textile design. It was like a surface design workshop at the Penland School of Crafts in, um, in North Carolina. And, uh, you know, I had recently graduated from college. I was really lost. I didn't know what I was going to do. I had no skills, you know, <laughs> like yeah. other than, and, um, and I also was really turned off of art just because I had been a painting major for such a long time and just, I could, didn't really figure, didn't know where my niche was. And um, I took this class and it was amazing. It was really fun. And I was like, I'm going to be a surface designer. That's what I want to do. You know, but that is sort of, you kind of have to go to school for that because there are all of these software programs that you have to learn to like be a, to work in the, you know, textiles and stuff. And I had just graduated, so I wasn't going to do that. And um, I really just needed to find work that, that, um, that, and I, you know, and I hoped I could find it, you know, that was related somehow to textiles, that maybe I could get some hands-on experience. And anyway, I totally didn't manage to do that, but I did find this um, address of this woman who lived in Guatemala who had a Miami address at the time. So I, I, at the, I, my mother always told me to just write everyone <laughs> um, when you're trying to find work or, or a, an apartment or something, and you never know, like, what will happen from it. So even though it was a really long, long, long shot, I, I wrote this woman who had a Miami address, and it turned out she lived in Guatemala and was um, was a quilt maker there. And uh, the town that she lived near was this town, Panajachel, and my parents had gone there on a trip in, like, 19... in the 60s sometime. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and they loved it. My mother was like, it's heaven on earth. <laughs> it's like this beautiful place, and, you know, you really should go. So I did, you know, and um, and it was it was really crazy. It was like a really crazy, amazing trip. But it 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 was it it was funny because while I did learn a lot about Guatemala that I you know I had certainly no idea about before, um, you know, and their their like you know um, their history and their you know their clothes and their politics and all of these things that I really got immersed in when I was there. The woman I lived with was um, was an American, and so most of the... But she had been living in Guatemala for decades, and um, all of the people that she knew were Americans. And they, it was... What was really the culture shock was mostly being around all of these expats because they were mm-hmm. just really different than, um, than, than... You know, I was like this kind of very young, sweet, you know... They, I think they got a really big kick out of, and they were also probably annoyed by how like young and sheltered and <laughs> clueless I was. <laughs> so it was definitely an eye-opening experience that way. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I also I I le- learned a lot about the textiles that I did there. But, and and it was really amazing learning about all of them and extremely inspiring. And every day I had new ideas about things that I wanted to do. But, um, you know, it was definitely not. Uh, what I was hoping to find, which was, you know, some kind of um, uh, adult application of my studies that would turn into something that I could make a living at. But that is sometimes how it works. The, especially in art. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Usually. What was the choice to, to start making comics um, or to kind of explore comics? Well, um, I had become, you know, more and more aware as I, as my art studies had progressed, um, 
I transferred schools a lot, and I ended up actually back at University of Florida, which is just like a normal big university. And um, I had all of these friends. There were these guys that all lived in this one dorm, and they were all friends, and um, and I hung out with them all the time. And one of them, you know, a lot of them really liked comics, and, and one of them had a bunch of, you know, artsier comics, like, um, you know, a bunch of Dan Cloud comics and Chris Ware comics and stuff. And, uh, and so... I saw, I like first saw them in the, for the first time when I was in school, and and um, I was really struck by them because I had always liked comics. It started to kind of seem like I was starting to kind of get, you know, all through all through art school, I I thought that I just was bad at drawing, you know, because I I hated rendering. I wasn't really interested in it. All of my all of my subject matter was really narrative. Um, my drawing style was really flat, um, and uh, you know I people would say like you know that as a criticism a lot of times that like some of my work seemed kind of comicsy yeah you know and and um and um uh so it's not like i i really lost my affinity for comics i just always was trying to i was kind of trying to like bucket for a long time (laughs) 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 so uh uh at the same, like, basically, to make a long story short, around the same time, I had this one really great art uh, drawing teacher who kind of let me just draw the way I was going to draw, you know, and uh, um, she she supported the way I drew, she, brought, you know, t- talked about it um, as though it was, like, good, you know, and, accompl- and like, a you know, an, an accomplished kind of approach um, after years of study, um, and she just sort of, like, validated a lot of the, a lot of the natural things that I I was doing with drawing, um, you know, as, as being like a legitimate approach. Uh, and then at the same time I was seeing these like Dan Clouds and, and Chris Ware comics, which totally freaked me out. They just seemed like the scariest, meanest, most, you know, <laughs> like I just, I couldn't even think about ever meeting anyone like Dan Clouds or Chris Ware cause they just seemed horrifying. Um, <laughs> Because <laughs> they were so biting and you know acerbic and and dour and and uh, um, you know critical and um, and uh, anyway, I started to read more and more comics. We all kind of got caught up in this like comics frenzy, but just as readers, uh, you know, we went to like they had this um, cool like uh, punky anarchist library in Gainesville, um, which I totally am blanking on the name of now, but uh, it's still there. And we went and we would read all these high water comic books, and uh, we read that book. Uh, um, I got really into like a lot, like a lot of like the twee kind of early early aughts, not late nineties comics. I really liked that Goodbye Chunky Rice, and and you know I just I was getting an eyeful of all of this stuff, you know, that I hadn't hadn't known about before. Um, but I remember talking to my boyfriend at the time. I was saying, you know, oh he told me that I should draw comics and I was like, no, I can't, you know, comics, you have to like write and you have to, um, uh, you know, you have to have words in it. And if I did it, I would just, you know, I'm not a writer. I'm a, I'm an artist and I'm, I don't, you know, I would, I would just babble too much in my comics. I was just sure that if, as soon as I got, I was always really concerned with the struggle between showing and telling in your Mm -hmm. artwork. And I always felt like in my artwork, that I was doing at the time with this one teacher, you know, I was doing these drawings that looked really comic-y, but they were silent and mysterious, and you couldn't really tell what was going on in them, even though they weren't about anything that exciting. They were just about my daily life, even back then. 
but they looked, you know, because they were wordless and um, framed artfully, you know, they, I felt like all of the strength, you know, was in, was in their mystery. And, um, and so I felt like with comics, I would have to, I would, I would necessarily have to tell rather than show. Um, which obviously isn't isn't the case at all. You know, you do a lot of showing in comics. It's actually like a um, what I fa- since found is that it it is a it offers you like a much more sophisticated set of opportunities to to show versus to tell. Um, but anyway, I didn't think about it. it. So it was in my mind in the background all this time, and then it didn't even occur to me though for another three or four years when I was living in New York, and I just I wanted to get back into doing my artwork. Um, you know, because I had spent a long time trying to find a job and figure out what I was doing with my life. But um, now I was living in New York, and I had this really tiny apartment, and I couldn't do my large-scale, uh, mysterious, silent drawings anymore. So uh, it just popped into my mind that I could I could try doing comics because they were small and portable, and, um, you know, I wasn't going to be... I didn't have any excuse, you know. Yeah. I wasn't. I couldn't be hindered by lack of space or... Or anything. It almost seems like a product of uh, necessity, or not necessity, but of circumstances. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that I think the circumstances definitely, definitely pushed me to to think of think of it. So you know, it, it was there, floating <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> so the work in Spaniel Rage, it's was is it directly from sketchbooks? Yes. Yeah, you know, I didn't I didn't really know where to start. Um, you know, I remember I made this decision that I was going to try to draw a comic. It was like on one of my uh, on a birthday that I had, and then I went home after having dinner with my friend, and I was like, "All right, I'm going to try to draw this comic about this this crazy guy that I met um, helping my mom do this Jewish film festival." Uh, and you know, I knew I had some images from the story that I knew that I, in my that I knew I wanted to put in, but I had no idea how to approach writing the story or structuring it or how long it should be or how to even, you know, start. I didn't have any paper, you know. <laughs> it was just like a mess. So I, you know, but I, I, I thought about it. And then I had this, I remembered shortly after that that I had this teacher in, um, it, it was sort of, it was at this summer program that I went to in high school, this guy, Ken Tisa, who taught at Parsons and at Micah. He, um, he had we went to visit his studio when I was in high school and he had done this project where um, he had been taking care of a sick friend and uh, he was neglecting his own work and his friend told him that, you know, he had to do some work because he felt bad, you know, sucking all of this time away from Ken. And so he, he, I mean, I'm probably remembering it a little wrong, but anyway, basically what happened is that Ken decided that he's a painter and so he decided that he would do one small painting a day um, almost kind of like a diary entry and so he did these really small paintings but he did one every day and at the time that I saw them he had been doing it for you know five or six years so I was in his studio in New York and he had this humongous you know warehouse wall just covered with paintings from every day of his life for like the last five years and it was a really moving experience because you know together they were really powerful mm-hmm. and um, you know and then in his class he would have people do I actually never ended up taking his class. I almost did, but um, anyway, I know that in his class he had exercises where people did these kind of daily visual diary kinds of things. And uh, and to me it seemed like a really good way to start because I didn't know what to, how to begin, you know, um, 
it was really intimidating and I, you know, I could just do it in my sketchbook and, you know, it was, no one necessarily was ever going to see it. You know, I didn't have to worry about whether it was long or structured or written well or anything like that. Um, and so I just, I just really began that way, like, um, directly from, from, from Ken's influence. I know, uh, Baron's story does a similar thing where he has a very complex sketchbook and every day has to have a new, a new page every day. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, it's really amazing. You look at his work and it's just so vivid and colorful and dynamic and a lot of commitment. Yeah. No, I, I remember when I, I, you know, I definitely don't. I definitely did not keep up <laughs> the, <laughs> the exercise doing it every day. I remember when I, the, you know, I, I, I had this goal. It's like half of me remembers it as though it was like this no no pressure kind of situation, but then half of me also like had a, I knew that the Mocha Festival was coming up and I thought it would be cool if I could, um, you know, try to put together a mini comic to give to people. So I knew I had like a month and a half. And, uh, and, um, and so I spent the month like trying, you know, I think, you know, the, so I, I did, in a way, kind of hope that I would have it, to, you know, put it together to show people, but um, but I remember, you know, because I had a full-time day job when I lived in New York, as, as many people have to do, and and uh, I would be, I would start working at, like, 11 o'clock at night after I had come home and eaten dinner and gotten, you know, showered and everything, and I just, it was my first taste of, of the, <laughs> of the double life that can, that comics can, can sometimes give you <laughs> but you know I, I remember I talked to my mom about it I was like I'm so tired and she's like you're 24 years old just you know like you're you can just stay up and do it you can do it it's stop complaining <laughs> you can sleep later <laughs> so I even though I'm 31 now I'm like you're you're just stay up and do it this is the youngest you're going to be for the rest of your life so <laughs> I should follow the, that advice. <laughs> I, I sleep way too much. Well, you know, sometimes we need sleep. Sometimes we do. Now, the name uh, Make Me a Woman, um, it seems very specific and purposeful as kind of marking a transition in life. Yeah. Um, well, okay, it's, <laughs> it's funny. I, I had chosen the, the title a long time ago. Uh, when I did this one strip about my bat mitzvah for Arthur Magazine. And um, I thought that it would be kind of a, a funny title because it was sort of like weird and sort of sexy and kind of, but like inappropriately so. And, yeah. Um, you know, because your bar mitzvah is when you're, when, you know, they, you're, you're made into a man, you know, but this is my bat mitzvah. And it's just sort of, anyway, it's just sort of a weird, weird phrase that I thought up like on a whim you know, five years ago or whatever when I drew that, that strip. And um, I had actually not planned on calling the book that. I wanted to call it Happy Chappy. <laughs> Happy Chappy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought, you know, I, I was really concerned. I've always been really concerned about whether I come off, you know, negative, um, both, you know, in life and in my in my work. Um, as, as I said before, I was really kind of a, a, a taken aback by the... the, the brazen negativity of, of some of the cartoonists of, of, you know, of stature, um, you know, not because I couldn't relate to it, but mostly because, you know, I have always, not to complain about being like a, you know, a, a girl in the world, but, uh, you know, you're, it's not, people, I mean, nobody really wants anyone to be, to be around a negative person. Do you find it's like off-putting? 
What's that? Do you find it was like off-putting? Well, I think I just found it really unpleasant and hot and difficult. You know, um, uh, it's not that I didn't, as I said, it's not like I did, didn't relate to a lot of their feelings that they were expressing and a lot of their their uh, critiques of of people and things. But you know, I just was scared of being. Well, I guess you know you can't help but think about the cartoonists themselves as you're reading their work. And I guess I just I I couldn't I I remember being thinking imagining that it must be really scary to meet them because they were probably like just they could probably just see right through me and bore a hole through my soul and like you know really know me for the for the silly fraud that you know I I probably am or something but um but you know that just shows that they're like these astute kind of uh you know acute uh, uh critical thinkers which now I value very highly um, Can I just say one quick thing? Of course. Uh just for listeners Klaus has a quote on the back of Vanessa's first book. Yeah, and he's like <laughs> the nicest person. <laughs> I mean, I don't know him well at all, but but I, I think he's like a, a genuinely warm kind of, you know, like happy husband and father kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, I think that um, knowing the little that I know about both of those men now, it's like, uh, you know, it's funny and ironic, but they really made a, a real um, uh, intimidating impression on me when I first first was reading their work. Um, but yeah, no, just back to the the, the happy chappy thing. I just I I remember you know feeling self conscious that maybe some of the work in the book was going to be sad and and I didn't want to come off you know. But I I, I I'm self conscious about being being perceived as sad or or melancholy or negative, even though I am you know <laughs> in a lot of ways. <laughs> Um, but I'm like, you know, but I'm not always. I have an optimistic view of life, and you know, my my dad used to call me a happy. He used to, you know, he used to call me a happy chappy, and I always thought it was like a thing that people knew about. But when I talked about naming the book Happy Chappy, uh, everyone was like, "What does that mean? That I don't know what that is." Um, and it was actually uh, John and Quarterly who suggested the Make Me a Woman, and I was like, "That is." So embarrassing. There's no way I would ever name my book that. <laughs> um, but and I and I agonized over it, and I just you know, I was freaked out, and I tried to think of other things, and then all of a sudden it totally hit me that "Make Me a Woman" is like the best name for the book. Um, you know, it's 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 totally kind of conjures up what I'm doing in the book. Um, you know, both both uh, formally and artistically, and and uh, um, but also like in my life experiences, and um, it sort of celebrates the 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 weirdness of and the of of like of going through those experiences of you know getting older and and learning lessons, and um, I wouldn't say it's like a coming of age book because I don't know that I ever get to any uh, conclusive spot, but. Um, I, f- I feel it's really transitionary. Yeah. I, I feel it's definitely, you know, coming of age is a bad phrase. Yeah. Um, but it, it, there's a definite change in kind of creating your own identity. Yeah. Specifically. I mean, you move to the West Coast. Your your art, you know, blossoms. Maybe, maybe that's not the best term, but I mean, <laughs> it, it's quite, I mean, it, it's quite a leap. And, um, you know, you're trying different styles. You're trying more sustained narratives. Um, and so it's definite growth. Thank you. Yeah, I think I think that when I I realized that later that you know that the title is 
was definitely the best choice for the book, and and I'm really happy that 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 uh, that it, that's the name. <laughs> <laughs> it's apropos. <laughs> um, now, one of the big things uh, that you cover in there, um, big part of your life. I mean, it is is your identity is kind of the Jewish American experience that you have in there. Yeah. Um, and I'm really trying to free, figure out what the question I'm going to ask is because I, I, I find it really fascinating. Um, maybe I'm curious about how it shapes the work you create. Well, it's it was so it's so funny because um, it uh, I rem you know I was t- telling someone I, that um, there's no way I would have written about being Jewish you know however many years ago um, it's when you know especially back when I lived in New York. Because it just didn't seem like, um, you know, I grew up uh, before I went to art school. I went to the I went to this Jewish day school, and everyone I knew growing up was Jewish. Um, uh, I I had like one non-Jewish friend, which is you, you know a really opposite experience of a lot of people that I met in public school. They were like, I've never met a Jewish person before, <laughs> and I was like, You're weird. You're, you know, Lutheran or whatever. <laughs> and. Um, so, so you know, I, I have had this really intense Jewish upbringing, so much so that that I mean, intense in the in a in a very in a you know, kind of not not even that religious. We were reform, and uh, you know, we had a lot of different experiences and stuff. But you know, I did know a lot of Jewish people. I grew up in a Jewish community, went to Jewish school, spoke Hebrew. Um, all my friends were Jewish, and uh, you know, I just I really got to the point where I took it for granted. It seemed really boring to me and unexotic. I didn't really enjoy um, doing a lot of Jewish activities. I always hated being a part of uh, Jewish youth groups and camps and stuff. It was like the worst thing I could ever. And I always, you know, I always like longed to escape to like this, my self-chosen religion of, you know, art, artsy people. <laughs> um, and that was like really what I, I felt like I identified with. You know, and obviously, then I was able to, as a teenager and an adult student and everything, um, I still had a lot of Jewish friends, just because that's like the nature of, I don't know, living on the East Coast, I guess. But um, when I moved to California, you know, I, um, I noticed that it, it, it wasn't really the same experience. I actually still do have, a, you know, a handful of Jewish friends out here in Santa Rosa, but they grew up on the on the West Coast and seemed like they had a really different experience with their Judaism and um, uh, that I did, just because they weren't surrounded by as many as I was. Um, and I, I thought that was weird, but um, even then it hadn't occurred to me. And I got this assignment to, to write about Judaism and myself for Tablet, and I, I was... I was like, geez, that's, I hope that that's not going to be like a, I, you know, I had a lot of a, I wasn't sure about it, you know, because mm-hmm. I had always avoided Judaism as, I just avoided it in general, you know, um, as making it a part of my life. And certainly I've never thought about making it a part of my work because it always seemed kind of like geeky to be like, you know, <laughs> I don't know. It just, it seemed like something that my, my, uh, that my mom would want me to do, <laughs> you know, <laughs> not that, you know, I mean, my mom has a lot of good ideas, but my first instinct is to be like, God, mom, no, you know, like I have to write about being like edgy and cool, you know, why don't you write about you? <laughs> why don't you write about your bat mitzvah? We had such a lovely time, you know, or something, 
but the, but you know here I had this assignment and then it, I just found that it really opened up a lot of 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 uh, you know things that I've, I've it seemed to be that I that were actually you know having a really big um, impact on my life like either not being around Jewish people or having had been around a lot of Jewish people and just uh, you know my Jewish experience seemed to really have um, um, actually like a really big uh, uh, part in in the maelstrom of of what my my life was figuring out itself to be kind mm-hmm. of that's a really poorly worded way to say it but um i ended up just having a lot of uh, you know i never had a a dearth of of topics to talk about and it always seemed to be it seemed to be like more and more relevant um the more i thought about it um well, it's interesting because, like, you, you, you move around a lot, and it seems like that and your family are the kind of the, the things that kind of cement no matter where you are. It's still a part of you. Right. Yeah. No, exactly. Um, <laughs> as much as I might have hated to admit it, you know, uh, uh, in my younger days, I definitely think it's it's true. Um, yeah, I wrote about this in one comic, but my mom always used to say, like, you know, because my mom does a lot of traveling, and she would just say, you know, she would talk about some wonderful experience she had, like, you know, eating cheesecake in, in Rome or, so, or you know, uh, Czechoslovakia or something and going to a synagogue. And I would just be like, God, you were on vacation and you went to temple? Like, why would you do that? <laughs> but, you know, she she would just, she would always say, you know, like, but whenever I'm around Jewish people, I feel like I'm at, I'm, I feel like I'm at home. And I always just thought that was really ridiculous or, you know, I just, I don't know, not ridiculous, but I just, like, didn't. I didn't care, like, I couldn't relate to it, but, um, you know, I love being around all kinds of people, I, I definitely feel best when I'm not around just one type of person, but, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, you know, it's, it is, it, it is funny that of all of the places that I have traveled and, and lived, um, that, you know, just, like, some normally completely civilized, lovely town in California would be, like, where I, I, uh, I felt the most, you know, adrift in the world, be, and, and probably because there's, like, no deli that has good pastrami or black and white cookies. But, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, that sounds really, really ridiculous, but... Um, You're having a hard time finding challah bread, I understand. <laughs> there were definitely... There, there was, like, one bakery, and they had one loaf. It was ridiculous. <laughs> but, you know, it's just... I, I think probably, if anything, I, I think of, I think of like, the establishment of Judaism as sort of like, um, you know, they're like a... a like a a macro parent in a way mm-hmm. um you know there's it's like an old established body of it's like something that it is something that I'm a part of and that you know uh that so when they're not around I feel like I'm unsupervised in a way yeah which is a great feeling in a lot of ways but it also can you know in your moments of weakness can feel a little a little scary now, you don't necessarily practice you're pretty secular yeah, I'm. I mean, it sounds. I mean, I'm sure that anyone who is religious listening to me would think that, that I'm ridiculous because because <laughs> I am really secular. I you know I barely I barely do any. I I barely do you know a lot of. I'm like the most. Oh, my my Jewish friends here in Santa Rosa like we sometimes will get together and um have like a Hanukkah party or have like a like a Rosh Hashanah party where we eat matzo ball soup and stuff. But we we've gone to temple like once or twice since I've lived here. Um, but. But you know, I don't. I don't think that that really, the uh, the measure of a of a of a 
of a Jew isn't how <laughs> isn't how you know practicing they are in my opinion. But I grew up reform, so that's maybe that's why. That's okay. I I, I have no idea. My last name's McConnell, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's specifically with comics. Um, I'm really curious about how being around other cartoonists has affected you as as a cartoonist. Um, I'm reading about how like. Gabrielle Bell, like when you're around her, like you really, I guess, vibe off her. Yeah, she's really good to draw with. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's a really, you know, she. I I know that, I know that she might not always feel this way, but I, you know, she's a very disciplined and very, you know, directed cartoonist. And when I lived in New York, you know, and also she she uh, she didn't have to wake up really early to go to a day job. I remember at the time, and and when I would, I you know I I. So she would stay up at all hours, which is totally my hours. Um, and, you know, I'd go over there at, like, 8 p.m., and we'd just draw, you know, marathon drawing until, like, 4 in the morning, and it was it was amazing. I would get tons of work done, and I loved it. Um, but, yeah, I, I think p- meeting other cartoonists when I lived in New York was definitely uh, uh, cemented my, my interest in, in, in making comics. Um, uh I, I guess I, I kind of like was saying that the first comics I did were these diary comics, but I also did this one comic um, for uh, I, I, you know, after the, after the comic about the film festival like proved too difficult. I was like, all right, well, um, I had gone home and my friend Stephanie had told me this crazy story about making out with this guy and this whore, you know, and so it was like a totally it was just an anecdote, but it was a funny story, and I was like, okay, that is a story that I can try to put into a, a a comic because it has a beginning middle and end and it has funny imagery etc so so i put together this this i started drawing this comic and um at the same time i heard about the true porn anthology mm-hmm. that robin chapman was putting together and uh um and so just as a as as for fun i was like oh th- i'm actually working on like a true porn story so i might as well just send it in and see what happens and I sent it in, um, and I found out that I uh, that it had been chosen, which was really exciting. And um, it just so happened that the night, that the same day that I found out I got in, um, James Kotelka was playing <laughs> in New York. Um, he was like doing his band thing, and uh, and so I went, um, and I introduced myself, and I because I knew he was going to be in the True Porn anthology, he was doing the cover. So I introduced myself, and I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to be in that book that you're going to be in and uh and he was like oh you are well you know robin chapman just who's editing the book just moved to new york and she's here tonight so <laughs> so he introduced me to robin robin introduced me to like a bunch of other cartoonists that were there at the at the at the show and it was just like this incredibly thrilling you know night out where i was meeting all of these cartoonists and i got into this anthology and it was so i just i remember i like went home just so like buzzing with excitement mm-hmm. and um and, you know, from there, you know, Robin had just moved to New York. We were around the same age. We got along really well. And, you know, she was living with Karen Snyder, um, and she knew all of these other cartoonists. And we started hanging out. You know, it was, it was like Ellen Lindner and Joan Riley, And it was all girls at first, and then a, a bunch of guys started coming too. But um, <laughs> I, I think I think they had been meeting intermittently before I started also. But, but that was how it, it appeared to me from my perspective. And... Anyway, just getting together with these people was amazing. You know, um, I had I had always been kind of dissatisfied in art school, as I said, and 
um, I wanted to, you know, I had always hoped that I would, like, meet these kind of cool, you know, sharp, um, edgy artists when I went to college, and I made a lot of nice friends in college, but it wasn't, like, I didn't have that kind of community, like, at all, and, um, uh, and so I just got really, uh, swept up in this exciting, uh, 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 social world of, of, of cartoonists in New York and, and getting together with them every week and just, like, seeing what they were working on and, um, you know, it would push me to try different things that I, you know, hadn't thought of yet or, uh, you know, you know, when you're a part of a, of a community where everyone's working hard or really ambitious, you know, that reflects back on you and, and it really, um, you know, when you're developing or, you know, even just like when you're, even if you're not an artist, I think that it's really important to have kind of inspiring peers. Mm -hmm. And it was just a really important moment in my, in my life, not just artistically, but, you know, I've, I found that I could choose my friends that I could, um, you know, I could, I didn't have to hang out with someone just because I'd known them forever. I could like actually just like my friends. <laughs> it was just, it was a really big deal meeting all of those people when I did in, in New York. It was amazing. Oh, was my, I had a friend who, uh, with his, when he was going out with this one girl, and uh, he was nervous about meeting the best friend because it's like people are stuck with their parents, but they choose their friends. So yeah. You got to impress the friend. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, but I feel like, you know, for uh, there's a lot of, I think there's, you know, it's, it's not always um, apparent, you know, like when you're in high school and you are like, you really like skinny puppy and there's like one other person in your whole high school that likes skinny puppy. So you have to be friends with them, <laughs> but like, they're like, they're also a jerk, you know, and then, <laughs> then you're stuck with this jerk friend. Who and probably then, likes to blow up things in a past time. So it's like <laughs> a skinny puppy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or something. I don't know. You know, but, and then it's like, then you've been friends with them. You're, you know, you're 23 and you've been friends with them since you were 14. So you have to like, still, I don't know. I just, you know, when I was, uh, when I was living, when I was, you know, when I was 23 and living in New York, it was like a mix of these new people that I was becoming friends with and old friends from, from childhood that were living in New York. And, um, you know, your time is really valuable when you have a full-time job and you're doing comics. And um, you just, it was, it was like, a, it was another adulthood lesson, you know, mm -hmm. where you can like, your your time is valuable. You can choose who you spend time with. And, um, and uh, even if, you know, there's a you, there's it's a whole world of skinny puppy lovers out there, maybe, <laughs> <laughs> or comics, as it as it were, for me. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't have any friends who liked skinny puppy in high school. I didn't. I I, I I there were some guys in my school that liked skinny puppy. I didn't actually like them, but that's fine. It was just the first thing that I thought of. <laughs> that's fine. I'm just gonna hang up now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you going to be continuing working with the same kind of story format that you've been doing for um, was it for tablet? For tablet? Yeah. You know, um, it's I'm that's something I'm I'm thinking about right now. Uh, I I recently I just I actually just yesterday finished a, a story for tablet um, that is totally in that format in that three page. You know, a lot of that was sort of arbitrarily decided because it was, or not arbitrarily, but it was decided on tablets end, you know, that they wanted, they had room for three pages, et cetera. Um, and uh, so I was just doing this story for them that is sort of a, it's more of a journalistic story. It has nothing to do with me at all. 
Um, but it, I did it in the same format, and I was like, I, maybe I want to switch up this format, you know. And uh, the you know the co- the column ended after a year, and uh, I was really sad to not have that freelance job anymore. But I also felt like it was a good end because you know, um, three pages is pretty restrictive, and um, you know, I just I I I I've been playing around with a lot of different things that I like doing. Like I've as much as I love watercoloring, and I've gotten a lot of positive feedback about my watercoloring. I I got I just like for fun started playing around coloring in Photoshop, and I found it really really fun and really satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, um, uh, yeah, I think that I think that change is in the is in the in the air. I don't know what how it'll how it'll pan out yet, but um, it's got to free up a lot of time. You can work on things not having to watercolor. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's 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 like it's funny that that is a um, is such a go-to choice for a lot of cartoonists because it's really time-consuming. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, a lot of comics techniques are really time-consuming. But um, but yeah, no, I I, uh, uh, I mean I think I I chose it because I had experience in the past with painting and everything, um, and I it's it really can bring a page to life and 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 uh, and really transform what could otherwise be like you know um you know it really adds a lot to the drawing mm-hmm. um but i don't know that i will always do it i i'm i think things are in the things are in transition now too for me uh, stylistically i don't know how how they're gonna come out i'm i'm really fascinated you do other artwork like you'll do um one piece illustrations and you also do some um can't even think of the term right now with the sewing work that you've done. Oh, the embroidery stuff? The embroidery, yes, there we go. Uh, but it, they all seem to fit together thematically. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's real. you know, it's so funny because, you know, as I said before I before I started doing comics, I was like, I am a, I'm a, you know, I'm a dilettante. I just dabble in, in all these different things. I'm like not really a textile artist and I'm not really a painter. Um, you know, and I, I, I felt really uh, uh, inadequate artistically because I didn't feel like I had one medium that I was really uh, uh, entrenched in. Um, but now, you know, as I've, as I've definitely chosen this medium of comics, at least, you know, for the moment, um, you know, I, I, and I look back, I was like, oh, I totally had, like, the same themes running through all the work I was doing, even in mm-hmm. school. You know, I'm just like this is my thing that I do. I do these autobio. Um, you know, uh, I'm that's what I'm concerned with. And whether it comes out in a painting or a comic or embroidery, it's you know that is really what ties it together. And that and realizing that really made me feel much better. But um, but yeah, you know, I I really I would do a lot more other stuff if I had more time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't. So I mean, if I had my if I had my druthers, I would do. I mean, I I still want to do really. I love painting. I really, you know, I love oil paint. I love how it smells. I love how it feels and looks. I like just. I wish I could paint all the time, um, you know. And I love embroidering. And I love. I really would love to be a textile designer, <laughs> but I just miss that miss that boat, you know, uh, career wise. Um, but maybe one day I'll I'll get a chance. Like I don't think it's ever too late. Well, you know, I, I, it's not ever too late, but if I want to, like, invest, like, five years in going back to SVA or something, I mean, or FIT, or, yeah. you know, I just mean it would be awesome if I got a, an opportunity, like, with some kind of partnership that would be really, like, my ideal thing. I, like, I still love potters, and I would love to do, 
you know, um, you know, I'm I'm still really into like the decorative and f- functional, and in a way, I think that that comics is sort of the like decorative functional um, form of 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 drawing, you know, because it's like it's not it's not necessarily a functional object as much as it's a you know it's like a mundane object the comic book you know and um mm-hmm. it's not like a a thing that you hang on the wall and can't touch it's like you fold it up and put it in your backpack and stuff um so i i think that i'll always have like a a a, a soft spot and um you know like a yearning for the for the for the craft centered arts um but you know hopefully hopefully uh life will be long enough for me to uh, um, get to do more of them in the future. What kind of, um, or is there a sense of release when you're working on autobio work? Creatively. Um, you know, creatively speaking. I think that that is, that mu- no. <laughs> 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 Not really. It's funny because you know, it seems like it seems like a lot of people uh, think of autobio that way, or a lot of autobio cartoonists probably feel that way. But for me, you know, like it's not at all a catharsis, like in any way. Like it's not like it's not really like writing a diary entry where you're just like, fuck, 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 or you know, <laughs> I, I hate my mom, or like I hate this person, or you know, I you know, for me, it's almost it's like the opposite. It's kind of like taking all of those feelings and then forcing them through this you know, um, you know, uh, uh, this grinder to, to make it all like, first of all, palatable or, you know, um, and like, like considered, (laughs) you know, it's like, maybe I'm angry at, um, like for instance, this story that I did about, I, I just did this story for tablet, um, about, Actually, maybe I shouldn't talk about it because it hasn't gone up yet. <laughs> but it was a really good example of. But you know, I had you know, it was the story that that conjured up a lot of emotional feelings for me that about you know that's, that 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 were personal and that were you know coming from my own my own opinion and my own standpoint. But the story itself is like, first of all, the assignment wasn't about my feelings about the subject. Um, no. And uh, and um, the story was about this particular thing that goes on. Um, and, uh, and so I had to, I still felt like I had to imbue it a little bit with like my opinion because that's sort like it's the, the, the situation kind of begged the uh, emotional response. Um, and so I, I sort of had to figure out how to present the story without being too emotional and without being too personal. And in a way, even though I write about my own life, I have to do the same thing to like stories that I, that are about me. Um, you know, because they involve other people, and they're being shown to other people. They're like they're being written for other people. Um, so, as an autobio cartoonist, even though I'm writing about myself, I do feel like the like the primary thing to think about is the is the reader, mm-hmm. um, and um, you know, and also the other people involved. Um, I don't really feel like. Uh, I don't really see what is in it for the reader to just read a story about like how much I hate this person um, and like how much that person wronged me or something. You yeah. Know? I mean, it's the same way that it, it doesn't, it's not actually constructive to think of your life in those terms. You know, it's, it's more constructive if you, if you have a bad experience with a person, you know, obviously 
you can't help yourself from like having bad feelings towards them or having good feelings towards someone you really like or you know but but if you are are thinking about um you know what these experience I feel like I'm talking in these abstracts but um it's okay that's the ink studs (laughs) (laughs) what happens you know okay I'll use I'll use an, an example of like a negative experience like even though obviously you're going to have like you know a negative reaction to having a negative experience and you're going to like think this person is a jerk or you hate them or you know this this bad thing happened to you you know hopefully if you look at it in a more thoughtful way you're like well you know what does this mean like what 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 does it mean about me that I had that I had this reaction or that I was in this experience or what does it mean about people that like that people could act this way or you know and and um so I think that, uh, you know, trying to trying to learn or trying to uh, process these experiences, you know, both, um, like, I try to do that as a person just so that I can, like, get past, like, the things that, or, you know, move forward or, or you know, grow from the things that happen to me in my life, and, you know, and to understand better who I am in this, in this world and everything. But I, I think also that is, like, the point of, of me doing the comics that I do. Um, not so much to just, like, express myself, but to sort of examine uh, myself and others and, and, like, you know, as and, and perhaps, like, to connect with other people that are trying to, you know, answer those same questions about themselves because I'm not, like, that weir- weird of a person that, <laughs> that, like, other people couldn't relate to the things that I, you know, go through. Well, earlier or... Earlier you were talking about how you found some comics pretty unapproachable for yourself as a reader, and I was reading about how uh, the Twisted Sisters anthology was really informative for you, and so you, is that kind of continuing that legacy of being able to create work? I, I'm trying to be delicate, saying that, that women can identify with. Oh. <laughs> well, you know, um, I or, don't know. I, I don't know that I'm, it's like specifically my aim to make work you know, for women, um, but, you know, um, I know for me, uh, uh, yeah, I, you know, I had been really freaked out by the, the Dan Clouds, you know, and the, and the Chris Ware comics when I was a young, young lady, um, but, you know, I had also read, um, I, I don't know that it was because they were male as much as, like, their particular, like, um, you know, acidic kind of, uh, uh, uh um, perspective, um, but I, you know, I definitely reading the Twisted Sisters two book when I was in high school was like insanely important, you know, big for me. Um, even though at the time I was like all, you know, wrapped up in my art school experience, and I thought I was going to be like a, 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 you know, at the at the time I was totally into feminism and I wanted to be like an earthwork sculptor and like make work about the body and stuff. Um, you know, because when you're a teenage girl, you're, like, thinking about your body or thinking about sex or thinking about, like, you know, men versus women and stuff. So all of that kind of tied in together because the women in, the, in that book were, you know, were, like, feminists and, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, and writing about their experiences as women. Um, now, though, I think that, like, the world has, you know, little by little, the world is changing and, like, you know, and, and, and I am a different generation, so it's not that, um, I think that feminism is different now, it's, uh, for, for me anyway, I think that it has, uh, 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 for, 
for me, it's more of like a, um, you know, we're, we've gotten past the point for me where, oh, man, I'm going to botch this. I have a feeling. You know, I, I still think it's important to, to highlight and to, and, to, and to remember to focus on, on, on women, just as it is, you know, on any, on any type of, of artist or, uh, you know, um, that, that is, has been historically overlooked. Um, I don't know that, um, I mean, my personal experience, I have not felt like I have been, I mean, not, I mean, not completely, but, you know, I, I, I feel like, I feel like in my life, I haven't suffered too greatly for being a woman, mm-hmm. you know, um, in fact, I've benefited a lot from it, and, um, and, and I'm more interested in, in everyone, both men and women, and, um, you know, like kind of considering each other on their on their on their person rather than on their their gender, um, and uh, and so I think the fact that I am a woman comes through in my work and and probably um, you know probably there's like I mean I know there's like a definite feminine voice and and touch in my work, um, but that's just because I'm a girl. Not I don't think <laughs> it's because I'm like trying to make yeah. this palatable for women specifically um that's a really complicated answer but you know my feelings about it are complicated i guess i know and that's i kind of felt weird asking it but it just it just seemed no i think it's relevant because you know you know uh a lot of first of all a lot of i think i think there are a lot of women cartoonists that make comics for women and i think there are a lot of men cartoonists that make comics just for men um Mm -hmm. and uh you know um i think i think it's it's a topic of discussion lately, you know, like with the last, you know, with the Ignaces and how there weren't an, any women on the judging committee. And it was kind of a dude fest. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I think it <laughs> at the same time it was, I don't know. I don't know that it was, it was reflective of any kind of, I mean, the Ignaces have always included, you know, or not always, but in the last several years have, have included women and mm-hmm. nominated a lot of women and, um, it's entirely possible that because the judges were all men that like maybe there were fewer women nominees this year i have no idea it would be presumptuous of me to to say so but um you know i'm just saying that that the stuff still comes up all the time um you know uh you know i'm like a big mad men fan and um and that show people are always talking about how how it's about feminism you know and how it's about um uh how awful, you know, women had it and how much better we have it now. And, like, the you know, Peggy is, like, this character of she's on the front lines of all of these things changing. And, you know, while that definitely is in the show, I, to me the show seems more about um, just how hard life is when you look at the world in such gendered and, um, mm. you know, separated ways. I mean, the men in that show are not having a good time either. Like, they're you know, um, they have from from like the from the least suffering characters. You know, the the lower guys in the office. They're just like these, you know, clueless oafs. You know, and then Don Draper, the main character, he's like he's this kind of soulful, you know, emotional person who's completely not allowed to be emotional in any way. He's miserable. In any way, like has lost everything. Yeah. You know, because of because of this role that he's had to. It's just. It just seems like that show is so much about how, um, like, the dangers of, of viewing things in those terms. 
Well, the, 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 I, mean, I love Mad Men. I love it. Um, and I, it feels less to be as much a kind of gender commentary as just a character commentary. Yeah. And I think that's more where, you know, I don't want to be doing too much supposition, but where, where I see, like, the strengths of it, 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 it's exploring character dynamics and exploring personal identity. And, you know, you definitely have that with Peggy and with Joni. Um, but there's also how they display Joni and how the characters are presented in a way to, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword, I guess. Yeah, they're very complicated, and it's 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 like, and, and you know, of course, it's it's about it's about them as people, you know, and that is why that's why it's such a gripping show, and it's not just you know, but but you you can't help but think about how you know the politics of the time and how like women were supposed to be this way and men were supposed to be this way, and they didn't you know. Like how men and what they're, 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 how you know husbands and wives don't talk to each other because they're in this sort of like transactional situation. I don't know. It just I really I really love the show too, and I definitely agree that it's about. I th- I think that you're right. It is mostly about character development, but um, it's like character development within the confines of the world as it was back then. Yeah. Just kind of brings to light, you know, these these. Um, these trappings and how how dangerous they can be. I think. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> it's a lovely show. Yeah, um, I like it. <laughs> I'm way over my time. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm been... a real. I'm a really big babbler. I'm sorry that I. <laughs> you might have to edit me. <laughs> Please don't. No. 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 Um, thank you so much, Vanessa, for a chat with me today. Thank you. Uh, Vanessa Davis, folks. Uh, books are Making Me a Woman, newly out from Toronto Quarterly, and Spaniel Rage from the much-missed Bonaventura Press. <laughs> we love you, Elvin. Uh, thank you so much, Vanessa. Thank you.
Thank 